Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Craps. Today we're diving into the world of beef, from the art of cooking specific cuts to navigating the butcher shop. Beef, it's not just what's for dinner, it's what's for podcasting. I'm MP. (laughs) I'm Jenna. Did you know that beef is a powerhouse of a protein, packing a punch with all nine essential amino acids to help you build muscles? Beef's also a rich source of iron and zinc, essential for keeping your energy levels high and your immune system ready to fight. We're excited to dive into this conversation today, but first let's talk about some quick life updates. Where do you want to start? Well, what's going on with you guys? I feel like I've been chained to my desk preparing for this speech that I'm giving, which will be this weekend when after the episode airs. (laughs) Which is exciting. Mary Pat is speaking at Cultivating Courage. It is in... Southwest Kansas, Northwest Kansas. Oh man, I should know. I just know it's three hours from the Denver airport. Middle of nowhere, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. It's a really cool event that Whitney from the Midwest Farm Wives podcast puts on and I've never got to go, but I'm excited to hear about your experience. Yeah. I'm really excited, really nervous, but um, just excited to be in that group of women and feel feel God moving, I guess, is really yes. what I'm excited for in that. So I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. It will be fun. You'll do. You'll do awesome. How about you? Um. Let's see. Well, all of the snow melted. Yeah. Same we with us. From like a blizzardy hell to a muddy hell. Mm-hmm. Like so much mud. <laughs> I can't even hardly drive on my road. Like you're just driving along, and it's like it like sucks you right, right and left because it's so muddy. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and your road is a gravel road, not even a dirt road. Correct. Oh, you couldn't go down a dirt road right now. Do You'd people actually, like, do they live on dirt roads? So can they even get to their houses? Um, Not very often. Okay. I don't really think there's houses on dirt roads around here. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. That would be, I feel like if somebody did live on a dirt road, then they would probably gravel themselves to the nearest road because if it, like they wouldn't even be able to get anywhere right now. That's what boggles my mind because we're like out here in paved land and we have a couple of gravel roads, but they're just like probably even like really, really well-maintained gravel Mm -hmm. roads too. So we can't even, a a dirt road is like a field road for us. Oh, that's funny. We live on a well-maintained gravel road because it's like one of the main roads that connects two blacktops that doesn't have any miles of minimum maintenance or dirt. So it's well-traveled and well-maintained, but it's a doozy out there right now. Oh, man. (laughs) And you guys got up above 50, right? We did. It was, I think it was almost 60 yesterday. We never got that warm and we're not going to get that warm. Um, I'll tell this little funny story. So Josh got this weather station. He really wanted it for Christmas. It like is a farmer's dream pretty much. Uh It replaces your rain gauge. But he got it because he saw this other farmer on TikTok with it. Uh Anyway, he's obsessed with it. And then when my dad came to visit us for Christmas, he needed one too. It's called an Accurite Atlas. Okay. Anyway, so my dad texts me yesterday and he goes, looks like you guys are still sitting at 36 degrees. I'm at 51 up here. But (laughs) it's just so funny that like. Oh my goodness. Cause can you, your dad see Josh's weather station yes, too and vice like, versa? You can like be friends, like oh, that's buddies hilarious. on your weather station. <laughs> it's so, it's going to be an interesting season with those two. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's fun though. Mm-hmm. 
So we've spent a lot of time outside shooting our bows with the boys. That's they're really oh. into bow shooting right now. Uh, so that's, that's been awesome. Fun. That's a yeah. good family activity. Yeah. They, the, both of the boys have their own bow, obviously like different levels. Uh, but Crawford's actually starting to get the hang of how to stand and how to actually pull it back. It's cute to watch them learn. That's something I would love to do with our kids. We used to be, Josh and I were archers before kids, but we I know back into it at your wedding, right? Yeah, we did. We did a unity bow shoot. Yes. Instead of unity sand, we shot at a target together. That is so cool. We were not that fun. Levi gave me my bow for, I think it was for my birthday after we got married. That's a good gift. He, well, he queued it up. He said it was kind of expensive. It was something I needed but something I would never buy for myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did he buy me a new car? That's honestly what I thought. Cause I still had my crappy college car. <laughs> nope. He bought me a bow. <laughs> Priorities. Priorities. <laughs> I feel like January has kind of been a slower month for us. I mean, January sucked. <laughs> yeah. Josh and the kids got the stomach bug. So that was interesting. I did do like a major declutter that weekend uh-huh. though. So that Holler. felt good. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going into February, which feels like it's going to be nonstop. I don't know about you, but we have a lot. I feel the same way. And I was also, this morning I said, Levi, it's February 1st, only 60 days till you could be planting. And he was like, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) But he told me only 90 days till planting on New Year's Eve. So I was just kind of throwing it back at him. Oh, yeah. You got to do that. So the idea for this episode came because Mary Pat a few weeks ago texted me and said, what did you say? How do I fill out? How do I, what do I ask for when I get my cat, my beef butchered? What did you ask for? Yeah. So I did. I asked for a cut list because yes. my mother-in-law had actually three animals processed this month. Uh huh. So she brought in two steers and then we had one old cow processed. So I was uh-huh. trying to get your thoughts on yes. what to get because I don't know where to go with it. Right. So most butcher shops have a pretty standard cut list that you can kind of go through the primals and put like, I want this or this, this is how thick I want my steaks, blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to go through that with you because there's a lot of cuts that are must-haves. Like there's some great steaks, the tri-tip, some really great things that I feel like are insider secrets. If you don't know what to ask for, it's not going to be on the butcher's list and they're not just going to offer it. But if you ask for it, they are more than capable of cutting it. I actually learned when I started asking, we've been through several butcher shops on our journey to find the right fit for our direct-to-consumer beef business. And there was a couple butchers when I asked for them, they almost looked at me like, you're not supposed to know that. How do you know? (laughs) It's more work for them. But it's very important to me that we get as much as we can out of every single animal and the most steaks. Because a lot of those cuts, if you don't ask for them, they just get put into the ground beef, which is a crime because some of them are so great. I love that you're going to share your knowledge on this because I've obviously used you a lot for not only cuts, but how do I cook this piece of meat? And we, Josh and I have been just soaking up information from you guys because We've never heard of some of the steaks that you sell. Like, right? What's the best one that Josh raves about all the time? The oh, uh, I don't know. It's not a ribeye. The chuck eye. Oh yeah, that is a good one. It's basically like a poor man's ribeye. It's cut like the tail end of the rib going into the loin, and so it's like technically 
it's not like a true ribeye because you're like outside of where the ribs are. It's like just past that, but it has the same marbling and same concept as the ribeye. It's kind of, it's called the Chuck Eye or a poor man's ribeye. It's so tender and it's the mm-hmm. best steak. He, he loves them. so underrated. Yeah. So like there's all these different things that you guys have available mm-hmm. that we've never heard of. We also don't know how to cook them, but your meat is so good and we just want to learn from you. So I'm excited to dive into this. Yes, I am excited to share. I'm not an expert. I have just learned a lot from this process of selling direct to consumer and finding ways that we can decrease the amount of ground beef that we have and get the most out of every single animal. Uh, so, so where do you start? Let's start with like you take your animal to the butcher shop. It's uh, I'm just going to use average numbers here. So what is a hoof weight or a living weight? That's what the animal weighs on the hoof when it's still alive. Average for us is probably about 1400 pounds. That's like our finished steer weight. Once the animal is harvested, it'll be skinned and cleaned and all of that. And now you have a carcass weight or a hanging weight. We use hanging weight, but carcass weight is the same thing. A typical hanging weight is 62 to 64% of the hoof weight. So if we have a 1400 pound animal, we're going to have a hanging weight of about 882 pounds. Now that's that animal's going to hang. That carcass is going to hang or dry age for us. We dry age for 28 days. If you take it to a custom exempt butcher, 10 to 14 days is kind of the standard. Some will do 21, but not very often. And I pay a lot of extra money to get the 28 days because of how do you have a question? Yeah. Talk about what does dry aging do? So during the dry aging process, it's in a con- temperature controlled environment. There's a breakdown of the protein and fat constituents in the meat, and it kind of creates a more nutty or richer flavor. So the longer it ages, the more breakdown that happens in the meat. And so it becomes more tender. Those connective tissues and everything get broken down, more tender meat, more rich flavor. So the longer the dry age, it changes the flavor profile. We've had, we've tasted meat at fancy restaurants. That's like a 35 to 40 day age. We had our own age that long too. And it's crazy how tender it can get and how everything just tastes so much better. We kind of find 28 days is the sweet spot because the longer it's hanging as well, it's going to, the edges are going to kind of dry out and then they have to cut that off when they cut the meat. And so you're losing weight too, because moisture is leaving and all of that. So 28 days is kind of our sweet spot. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So you have that hanging weight, that hanging carcass that hangs for us for 28 days. Now, when it goes get when the carcass goes to get fabricated into actual cuts of meat, you're going to end up with about 65% of the hanging weight. So we had that 882 pound hanging weight. 65% of that is 570 pounds of actual meat. So that's steaks, roasts, and ground beef. So if you kind of do that math backwards, the actual cuts of meat you end up with to put in your freezer is roughly 40% of the live weight. Okay. So you see this 1,400 pound animal, but you're going to end up with about 575 pounds of actual meat. Now, I think when some people, especially if you're buying a half or a whole beef for the first time, you might think, oh my goodness, like how come I don't have more steaks or I wanted this or that. You don't just get like all the steaks when you get a half, you know, you got to mm-hmm. share it. Uh, typical breakdown, this is rough, but it's about, you end up with about 50% ground beef, 25% steaks, 25% roasts. Okay. So obviously steaks are sought after and 
that's why we started getting creative with our cut list and figuring out how can we use every bit? How can we get more steaks? How can we get more fun cuts? So I started very simple when I started processing beef. I just did the basic cuts that the butcher offered. But then I started touring the facilities and going and meeting with the butcher when they're cutting up my animals. And then I learned so much. And the butcher that we work with now has been wonderful. Like, hey, you should try this. Like, have you ever thought about using this cut? Or I see you're not using this. Try this. So let's go through the primals is what it's called. So a beef is cut into like sectioned out into eight or nine primals. I say eight or nine because some people count the brisket as a primal and some don't. So like that, when you see uh, a steer, they have that like under their neck, there's that kind of bushy area that sticks out Mm -hmm. in front of their shoulders. That's where the brisket is. And that's, you can't really cut that down into a sub primal. So your primals are your chuck, your brisket, your rib, your plate, your shank, your loin. Some butchers would count it as just the loin, but that can be cut into the short loin or the sirloin and the sirloin, the round and the flank. Now, all of those primals are the big, big cuts, if you will. And then those are cut down into like your different steaks and roasts. Okay. Are you with me so far? Yeah. And I just have to say, I'm not surprised that you like dove into this as deep as you did. <laughs> just like, it's kind of how you do it all, which I love. Like, Are you getting like, more than you bargained for today? No, but even on the agronomy side, like this is how you like to just pick, pick it apart, which makes me wonder, do you wing five sometimes? Because this feels like a five wing to me. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So when you see, you know, when you see those trendy posters of an, like a, a cow yes. and it's black and white and they have it cut and it labels the different parts. Those are the primals that you're seeing. Gotcha. So we're going to start kind of up behind the head of the cow. That's where the chuck is. And the chuck comes from the neck and the shoulders. And so that area on the animal is worked a lot. You know, they're walking, they're moving. So that is a little bit tougher cuts of beef. It's very flavorful and it can be cut into a lot of different cuts, but it is going to be a little bit tougher than like the loin, obviously. So mm-hmm. most common thing that comes from the chuck is the chuck roast. I feel like everybody's heard of that. Yep. And then the flat iron, which is a steak that's cut from behind the shoulder in the chuck. You can only get about eight per animal or eight per half, I believe. And that cut was actually developed at the University of Nebraska. Go Big Red. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a steak that you're you're not going to see it on your butcher's cut list very often. You need to add it in the notes and say, keep the flat irons for me. And there's also the arm roast in the chuck. I'm just going to read off all of the cuts that you could possibly get from the chuck. However, when I'm going through these, you might think, oh my goodness, that's 15 different cuts I could get out of the chuck. It's not like you can say, give me all of those. You're some of the way that it's cut. You have to pick and choose. Like you can't have, does it, you can't have your cake and eat it too here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I'm like really interested to hear this, but I'm also really interested to hear what you would recommend to get. Okay. Like if there's this many options, what do you recommend? I will tell you. So all of the options you can get from the chuck, the chuck roast, the flat iron, the top blade steak, the chuck arm roast, the mock tender steak, mock tender roast, shoulder roast, ranch steak, petite chuck tender roast, shoulder tender medallions, cross rib roast, Sierra cut, Denver cut, country style chuck ribs, Chuck short ribs, chuck eye roast, and chuck eye steak. I've heard of maybe like 
four of those, right? Some of them are fancy. Some of them are maybe more popular in other countries. Some of them, so the Denver steak is one that comes out of the chuck and that's something we just recently started getting processed. But because we do that, we are sacrificing the top part of where they would usually take a chuck roast. So we end up with less chuck roast. I -hmm. usually have a plethora of roast and ground beef at the end of the day. So I'm willing to sacrifice that to get more steaks. That makes sense. Denver steak I have seen at fancy restaurants lately, and I've seen it on Instagram and TikTok too as the Zabuton steak. And it sounds really bougie and really fancy. And it's literally (laughs) the Denver steak from the chuck. It's not from, that special. It's a chuck rose. It's literally <laughs> part of the chuck <laughs> Is it so, good though? Yeah, it is good. I mean, it's not going to taste like a ribeye, but because it comes from that top part of the chuck rose, it's a very marbled, very flavorful. And we would typically just grill those. Okay. So can so, you can get those and get the flat irons? Yes, you can. Okay. So what we get out of the chuck, every time I take an animal to the butchers, we keep the chuck rose what's left. The flat irons are a must. We do the Denver's and the chuck eye steaks. So it's an inexpensive version of a ribeye. Like I said, very well marbled and flavorful. And we just love to grill it like a steak. It's Josh's favorite. Like you heard. I seriously, it's so good. I, we like it better than ribeyes. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. underrated. It's so underrated. Mm-hmm. And then I think the only other thing that's a must for us is the mock tender. It's sometimes called a terrace major. That is what you would call like a poor man's filet. Okay. I know it's just so you know. Oh, that's hilarious. I am. <laughs> The brisket, I said, you can't really cut it down. We keep our briskets whole. However, if you go to the grocery store, you might see a brisket flat or a brisket point. The flat is the leaner part of the whole brisket. And then the point is literally the point of it. So it'd be like the bottom of the brisket on the front of the animal. And that has the most, the big fat cap on it. So if you're a barbecue guy, you're going to want the point or just the whole brisket, I feel like. Okay. And briskets are low and slow. You got to just do it low and slow to get that nice tender fall apart brisket. We start them on the smoker for four hours and then we finish them in the oven for four hours. Okay. My briskets usually get dried out. So we, you got to like rub it down really good. You want like a crust. You can't, my brother, who's a very much a grill master says you can never, you can't over season a brisket or a prime rib, you want like a crust of seasoning almost because it kind of helps seal that moisture in. And then when you actually go to eat it, you know, it's a huge piece of meat and you're only going to end up with a thin piece of uh-huh. the actual crust. So it's impossible to overseason those, according to my brother. <laughs> okay. Because I got some learning to do. <laughs> so moving on to the rib. So that's obviously the rib part of the animal. The cuts you can get out of that are the ribeye, the tomahawk steak, a prime rib, a filet of rib, a bone-in rib, short ribs, and back ribs. Now, this is a really good example of you can't just ask for all of that. Like if you get a prime rib, you sacrifice all of your ribeye steaks. That's what a prime rib is. It's just like one big ribeye that hasn't been cut into individual steaks. Hmm. You can do a bone-in ribeye or a rib steak is what butchers will call it. That has the actual bone still on it. And then a true ribeye has the bone cut off of it. We used to do rib steaks, but because we vac seal everything, a lot of times the bone will puncture the vac sealing. Mm-hmm. It would ruin your <laughs> packaging. You wouldn't yeah, it, it. And then like frost can get in there. It's yeah. still good. And we'll, those are the steaks that we end up eating. But we want our ribeyes are one of our easiest steaks to sell. So I didn't want to sacrifice any of those. So we switched to the ribeye. I have a rib steak story really fast. Okay. 
So Josh and I were shopping my mother-in-law's freezer because <laughs> that's what we do. We're lucky. We're blessed. Anyway, so we pick up a package and it says rib steak and we're like, what is this? What do we even do with this? So we brought him home, thought him out. And then I text, texted Jesse Jarvis because <laughs> she was talking about rib steaks. And I was like, what is a rib steak? And then she told me it's, it's a ribeye. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so we literally took like their best steaks oopsies oopsies sorry mom and pa they were delicious so <laughs> oh man that's how much we know about this though so we really need the education well i you're learning today i am i am <laughs> so okay, like i said we gravitate towards the ribeye a couple times a year we will save a prime rib back because oh i love a good prime rib um yeah, i don't you don't no if i'm gonna eat a, a rib Ribeye or a prime rib? I'm going to go ribeye every single time. Okay. Well, we're going to have prime rib the next time you come. <laughs> okay. And you're going to be like, what was that garbage I've been eating before? Because this is amazing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Levi has like mastered the prime rib and ugh, it's so good. Okay. We'll be there next weekend. We made one on New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and it was just Levi and my parents. So we had a lot of leftovers and my favorite thing to do. I love leftover prime rib. We just like slice it thin and eat it like charcuterie. Just like eat it with a cracker. Ooh, so good. Yum. Okay. That okay. does sound good. Sorry. Okay, Threw you on. off there. We keep tomahawk. <laughs> the ribeye. Yes. Tomahawk. Okay. So the tomahawk is like the ribeye. It just has the whole rib bone on it. So it has like that big tomahawk oh. thing on it. It's literally a ribeye. Do you get a those? True, we don't. A true tomahawk is like a good three to four inches thick because it like takes the whole thickness of between the two ribs. Um, there, I mean, that big bone, that's a lot. It's a vac seal nightmare. Mm hmm. Yeah, we could. I've considered doing it for the holidays for a special or anything, but I haven't really gotten direct requests for it. If somebody specifically said, hey, I really want some tomahawks, I would get them. But it just doesn't seem as practical to me. No, they take up more space in the box. And it's just Yeah, I don't know. And it's like just a bone finagle that in my freezer. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's cool to like put on the grill. Like look mm -hmm. at this big tomahawk bone. Mm hmm. Um, Short ribs and back ribs also come out of the rib. We are not huge beef rib people. I have not perfected how to cook them. However, I do have a few customers that swear by beef ribs and they cook them phenomenally and they tag me on Instagram. And I'm like, I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I have not. That's your next that. challenge. That's my next go. challenge. So you always get beef ribs, even though, or can they make it into ground beef or what do they do? With yeah, it? they can cut the meat off of the bone and put it into ground beef. So that's what I've been doing also. Cause now if, I keep those bones. It's a lot more space in my freezer and I just don't sell enough of those. So I do yeah. take the ground beef on that. Okay. Moving on to the plate. It's located below the rib section and it includes a portion of the short ribs. It contains a lot of fat and cartilage, which can be dissolved by cooking low and slow with moist heat. So out of the plate, you get short ribs and skirt steak. The skirt steak is another cut that the butcher isn't going to tell you about, but you absolutely need to ask for it. It's underrated. It looks kind of funky. It's just like this long, ravelly looking steak. Uh, some butchers will leave it whole or you can ask for them to cut it into two or three pieces. There's a lot of ways you can do it. You can marinate it and then grill it. We like to do that. Literally, we just grill it like a steak and then I'll cut it and use it in fajitas or on a steak salad or something like that. Mm -hmm. More recently, I do have a restaurant that uses some of our skirt steaks, but I'll have them take the ribeye cap. So since we don't keep 
we don't do bone in ribeyes. There's like that cap of the ribeye that comes off and they take that ribeye cap meat and skirt steak and they slice it thin. And then that's what our fajita meat is made out of. So if you've bought our fajita meat recently, Mm -hmm. that's why it's so good and tender. (laughs) It is amazing. It's delicious. That's all I really have to say about the plate. You definitely have to ask for the skirt steaks. Moving on to the shank, it's the forearm. So you have like underneath the brisket on those front shoulders of the animal. And most common cut out of that is a shank cross cut. So it'll be kind of like a round looking thing with the bone in the middle because it's literally like the cross cut of the top of that leg. Um, It's tender and flavorful, but you have to braise it and cook it really, really slow. So those shank steaks are, don't put those on your grill. You'll be really unhappy. You want to put those in a crock pot or even use them to start, like put them in a crock pot and then use that to make a beef stew. You have to get that marrow in there too from the bone in it. Are those also called like, uh, like soup bones? Yes. Uh, no. Yes, it, probably not. The true shank steak is usually labeled a shank steak, but I have some of my soup bones do look like the smaller end of that. Like as they go down, obviously there's less meat on it. Um, the soup bones, though, they can take from lots of different bones in the animal. Okay. Anything that has like those, any long bone that has that marrow in the middle that they can yeah. cut to make soup bones out of. Okay. Okay. The short loin. So I'm going to talk about the loin as the short loin and the sirloin. But like I said, some people would consider the loin as the main primal. So the short loin comes from the hindquarters and some of these cuts contain the tenderloin, the most tender part of the animal. Steaks from the short loin are the most desirable. Think filet mignon, New York strip, T-bone. And they're also the most expensive. So they're the hindquarters. I talked about the chuck. Those areas are moved, used a lot by the animal. So they're a little bit tougher these it's like the middle part of the animal they're not really using that that's why they're so tender Mm -hmm. so short loin cuts the filet mignon the strip steak the t-bone here's some people don't know this but the t-bone is the new york strip steak and the filet together with the t-bone i learned that recently so i feel super smart right now yes (laughs) uh hanger steak a strip filet a strip roast tenderloin roast porterhouse so a porterhouse and a T-bone. They're very similar. The porterhouse though is the strip and the full filet. Like sometimes you might see a T-bone and it has like a little bitty piece of a filet. So you don't get very many porterhouses out of an animal. It's like the first, it's like where the biggest part of the loin is at. So when we get ours cut, usually when you look at a cut list, it'll say, do you want T-bones or do you want strips and filets? I click, I want T-bones, but then in my note section, I put, I want you to keep the true porterhouses because if I'm going to sell a ribeye or a T-bone for over $50, it better have that New York strip and the filet on it. And then once you're past the true porterhouses, then I get it cut into strips and filets. Okay. It's kind of personal preference on that. I just like having both options. A hanger steak. This is something your butcher is not going to tell you about. And you actually have to tell them about it when you drop your animal off because of where it's like, it literally kind of like hangs down the middle when they like cut the animal out. So I, that gets packaged right away. Otherwise, if it just hangs there, then when it dry aged, it's like there'd be a lot of dry around it because it's just a small cut kind of hanging by itself. Um, it's well marbled, very flavorful. It's served at restaurants. Sometimes fancy restaurants will take mm-hmm. that, but there is one in every animal. So ask for it. Is Go it before it. the animal is cut in half? Yes. 
So they have to get it like before they even saw yes. it in the quarters. Okay. Yes. That's exactly what they would do. Um, other options, you can do a strip roast, a tenderloin roast. So that's kind of like the prime rib, but now it's just like the whole New York strip or the whole tenderloin, the whole filet. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any questions on the short loin, MP? No, I think I've, I've learned a lot. And I'm actually kind of mad we didn't talk about this before. Not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just like, well, <laughs> I gave you some pointers. <laughs> you did. You did. And I will say one thing that we didn't let up on is Josh came home one night because they were talking about the cut list with the butcher and they wanted to say like, you need to have one inch steaks. And Josh was like, mm. no, at a minimum one and a half, like we're yes. not doing any less than that. And they like kind of came back at us for that. So like, we aren't big, we aren't sh- shipping like many animals a year having many right. animals a year process like you are it might be one or two so i feel like sometimes do they not really want to work with us because we're such small producers no if okay. you're going to a local ma and pa shop there's i feel like there's more people that are bringing in one or two animals a year than there are like us that are doing several okay well maybe we just need to keep looking for the right fit then maybe yeah or it doesn't feel like we're pulling teeth i don't know yeah. we have to try keep trying and figure it out but maybe they were having a bad day Yeah, I know. That's true. We got to think about that too. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about steak thickness quick because there are some cuts that I would do a a smaller thickness on. Some cuts you don't get to decide. Like the flat iron, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, A sirloin, I do a one inch sirloin because any thicker than that, since it's not as tender as a ribeye or a New York strip, I like this little bit thinner. I know some people do like a half inch steak. I could not, nothing smaller than one inch ever, but ribeyes, uh, fillets, T-bones, strips, we all do like an inch and a, uh, one and a quarter to one and a half inches. Okay. The sirloin. So that's right behind the short loin and that contains the top sirloin steak, the center cut sirloin steak, culette steak. I don't even know if I said that right. Sirloin filet, (laughs) tri-tip roast, bottom sirloin flap, ball tip steak, ball tip roast, tri-tip steak. Now we when out of the sirloin, we absolutely take the tri-tip. It's so good. It's called a roast. Don't cook it like a roast. We (laughs) literally season it and throw it on our grill and then we slice it up and eat it. We love tri-tips. That was another one I asked you on. Do you remember that? Yes. I asked you, how do I cook a tri-tip roast? And when you told me, I was like, oh, I don't put it in the crack pot. Like, yeah, don't put it in okay. the crack pot. <laughs> and I can't take full credit for this. When I started doing this, I have a couple other friends that ship beef. And so we would bounce ideas off each other. And I asked one of them, what do I do with a tri-tip? And my friend Sarah was like, don't put it in your crock pot. And I was like, okay, thanks. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> Uh, so the top, this, we keep sirloin steaks, tri-tip roasts, and we do top sirloin roasts. The top sirloin steak, I am not a fan out of. I, we got it, the top sirloin cut into steaks once and it was too tough for me. Now I took a bunch of those top sirloin steaks and threw them in my crock pot and they were delicious. So I usually recommend the top sirloin roast. Actually the chuck roast and the top sirloin roast are the only roasts I'm sorry. I keep saying top sirloin. It's a sirloin tip roast. Okay. I Those are my favorite roasts. Those are the only two that we actually keep and sell regularly. Okay. Any questions about that? No, but I'm thinking about sirloin because when we visited you guys last summer, Levi asked what my favorite steak was and I told him a sirloin. <laughs> okay. You have no idea, especially women that come into our home and we say like literally you can have any steak you want. 90% of them say sirloin. And I'm like, I'm going to choose for you. <laughs> Just trust me. <laughs> he like looked at me like I was on a different planet. And I was like, I mean, don't get me I, wrong. 
<laughs> a sirloin's a great steak, but if you come to a rancher's house and they say you can have any steak that you want, th- th- I mean, there's just there's better options. I guess this is just the steak that I always pick at Texas Roadhouse. So, oh, that is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The sirloin is a great. It's, it'd be like a great like middle of the week steak for our family. Like you know, it's not fancy, but it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, I'm learning. Okay. Yes, you are. Okay, moving on to the round, which mainly consists of the meat from the back legs and the rump of the animal. It tends to be lean and tough, so it's cost-effective, but not as tender. It's cut into the top round and the bottom round and the knuckle. Both the top and bottom round are pretty lean compared to the other cuts of beef, and the top round is larger and slightly more tender. Round cuts used for slow cooking stews and ground beef only. So round cuts, the rump roast, top round steak, top round roast, bottom round roast, bottom round steak, eye of round, eye of round steak, sirloin tip, center roast, sirloin tip, center steak. Okay. What do we keep out of here? You're going to be kind of shocked. I We just keep the sirloin tip roast. Okay. We... I rump roast is not my favorite. It does not have that much marbling. It is very lean. So if that is important to you, it is a great roast. So throw in your crock, but it'll still be tender, but it's just not our favorite. So I usually have that ground. Also, I, most of the time they can keep the round for me, the round hole and they'll denude it. They'll take the veins out. And then I was taking my rounds to a specialty processor and that's what my muscle jerky is made out of. So the salt of caramel jerky and the sea salt, black pepper jerky, that has to be muscle jerky. And that's the best cut for that because they have to like slice it really thin and dry it down and all that. So that's what most of our rounds are used for. If you're just getting a beef for your family and like that beef is going to feed you for the entire year, I would definitely keep the roast out of that. If you have not tried the salted caramel jerky yet, who even are you? Who even are you? You sent me some and Josh didn't even know it arrived because it was gone (laughs) before he got home. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It is so so good. good. It's so good. (laughs) Uh, Okay. If you ever, have you heard of like a cube steak or a minute steak? Yeah, I mean, those I've, are often the, cut out of the round as well. Okay, and the round steak, right? Like, yes, so that would be out of the round. And okay. then uh, they'll mechanically tenderize it, and then mm-hmm. that's what like a cube steak is. Okay. And we did just get those cut the last time we had some beef processed. We did some cube steaks, and then we chicken fried it. We, ch- I use that term loosely. It was literally like egg flour seasoning fried it in oil and they were delicious. Our kids okay. devoured them. So tender. I need to try doing that. Yeah. Probably have to tender it myself though. I, or tenderize it myself though. I think we have round steaks, but yes. we, then we would just need to tenderize them, right? Yes, I probably would. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Last but not least, the flank. It's located behind the plate on the bottom side of the animal and your butcher's not going to tell you about the flank steak. You only get two per animal and it's so underrated. One of my other beef friends joked, it kind of looks like a big scab, but it's really good. <laughs> and it is. It's long and it's like long and flat. And it's usually at least a pound or more. And so we literally will just season it and grill it really. It grills up really fast. And it's a great like family steak night with kids. Is that a fajita type of meat too? You could, yes, but we love it. We honestly just eat it like steak. Do they just put that into ground beef too then if you don't ask mm-hmm. for it? Dang. Okay. I know. It's sad. 
I'm highlighting that one. Yeah. So here, while you're highlighting, I do have <laughs> a few things that I tell all of, if when we have whole or half beef customers, I tell all of them, ask for the, if they're filling out their own cut list, I w- I'm willing to do it for them, but some like to do their own. I say must haves are the flat iron, the skirt steak, the flank steak, Denver steaks, chuck eye steaks, and the tri-tip. Those are cuts that you want in your freezer and your butcher probably isn't going to tell you about them. So what if your butcher like comes back at you and doesn't and like challenges you on that? What do you do? Just say, I, I, this, I want that cut. I know you can do it. Sometimes I feel like they might try to play stupid. I had somebody do that to me once. We don't use that butcher anymore, obviously, but it's like, no, this is my animal that I raised and I have invested a lot of money into. I want you to custom cut it because I am a customer, a custom customer, cut my animal how I want it. So maybe some of these conversations need to be had before you make the appointment. Maybe. If you want like specific um, things. Yeah, you can ask them. And okay. I honestly, the butcher that I use now, they do charge for those extra cuts because it does take more time. I think that's why a lot of them don't like to do it because it is more work. It's a little bit more tedious to cut all those things out of there. So it's not as quick. And so we do pay an upcharge for those cuts. But I would totally pay for that. Like yeah. that's the thing. I oh, It kind of makes me a little upset that like, this is, I how know. did we not know? I mean, we've I know. Even growing up, my dad had a lot of animals processed. Well, so. Levi's family has been raising their own beef for years. And it wasn't until we really started deep diving this that we were like, okay, we are missing out on things. Mm-hmm. And actually, so we use a USDA butcher for our beef business. But the beef that we use just for our family or our landlords or what have you will go to a custom exempt butcher. So that's, uh, they don't have a USDA inspector. But if you're getting it butchered there, you're taking, those are the meat. Like if you ever get your meat back and it says not for sale, that's from a custom exempt butcher. He, Levi said, okay, can you do the tri-tip for us? And we want some chuck eyes and the flat irons. And he was kind of like, how do you know about those? (laughs) Oh, we know things. We know. Yes. And now everyone. And now everybody knows things too. (laughs) So if we get a bunch of butchers calling us because they're mad that now everyone knows, I mean, they could blame, there's tons of other places to find more information too. Like that Mm -hmm. bearded butchers that I sent you the video on. Yeah. They didn't, I don't know if they went through all of these, but it's so interesting to learn about. Also, don't don't sleep on the awful, awful, awful. I don't even know how to say it, but that's like your organs, like your okay. oxtail, your liver, your heart, your tongue. Beef tongue is like a delicacy. I can sell beef tongues for like twenty to twenty five dollars each for the tongue. Oh, what do you do with it? So, uh, it's really common to use in Hispanic cooking. Uh, we have some friends in town and their kids' favorite food is tongue tacos. So they make tacos out of the tongue meat. I don't know how he does it. She said, I need to come try it sometime over when my dad was here on new year's Eve, we put a tongue in the crock pot overnight and just like, let it do its thing all night. And then you kind of like, you have to kind of skin it, you know, peel the, cause once you get like the tongue part off. There's really tender meat in there and we ate it. My, my family didn't know what it was. I put it in some like heat and serve beef and they had no idea they were eating it. They loved it. <laughs> it's in your head. It is. It's I in can, your head. I'm picturing it. Walker right devoured now. it because it was like so tender. He could just put it in his mouth, you know, and it'd fall apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, so the rest of the organs and stuff, mm-hmm. do you keep them for yourself or what do you do with them? 
I, I sometimes use the liver. I, if you've been following me on Instagram, you'll see a couple of years ago, I have some friends that wanted to incorporate liver into their diet. And so we were like, how do we do this? And I was like, well, I've got all the liver because I hadn't really marketed it at all. And I said, so what, how are we going to do this? So we decided we were going to thaw out a bunch of liver, thaw out a bunch of ground beef, grind the liver, mm-hmm. and then incorporate it into ground beef so that when we would go to cook for our family, we could just pull it out and it's already in there. We would never do that again the way that we did it because uh. the liver was all the way thawed and we put it through our grinder and then <laughs> it just like squirted out like soup. <laughs> oh. oh, oh, it was so nasty. And then we'd have to, and then we thawed all this ground beef and then we had to repackage it. Yeah. We didn't, we thought we were going to like mix it together, but none, we knew we were just going to throw it in tacos or spaghetti or something else with a sauce so our family couldn't taste the liver flavor. Cause beef liver is actually arguably the most nutrient dense food on the planet. A lot of people call it nature's multivitamin. Um, well, Josh takes it dried. Yeah. I take dry liver capsules too. Um, so that night we chopped it up small too. And then we froze it and we all like took a liver shot. I feel like I could definitely swallow a chunk of liver. No problem. Like a little chunk. Oh, Actually, one of my friends had some and then her I, her kids got in trouble. And so she said, fine, you have, you're not going to finish your supper. You have to take a shot of liver. And her kids liked it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, that's not even a backfire because it's such but, a good. I mean, kids don't have the mindset we have. Like they're not like, oh my gosh, that's gross. Same with the tongue. You know, Walker doesn't know that it, it might be weird to eat a tongue. So it's like, it's all in your head. Mm-hmm. So yeah. true. So some t- I've tried to find a processor that'll do this for me because I have a lot of requests for ground beef that has it mixed in. Yeah. When we did it, when I did it with my friends, we were probably using like a third to two thirds and we had too much, too much liver per, okay. per pound of ground beef. But sometimes you'll see some people will do like primal ground beef or um, they'll have some other f- or like heritage ground beef or like primal blend. They'll like grind up those organs and incorporate it with the ground beef. So you get all that in there, but you it's kind of just tastes like ground beef. But mm-hmm. for a butcher to do that, you kind of almost have to use grind the liver semi frozen because not completely thawed like we did. Otherwise, it just turns to mush. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of work. They have to like clean the equipment. And so most butchers won't do it. My butcher did start freezing the liver and then they'll slice it into thin pieces and then they'll package it in like one pound packages. So then if you want to use it, it's a little bit more manageable than just like thawing out a four pound liver. Right. That's really interesting. There's options there. You can keep, ask for the tallow back too. Mm -hmm. I, when I do that, I ask for the kidney fat. So there's like this nice white fat on top of the kidneys and you can get a decent amount out of an animal. Um, And then I've had customers buy that or you can like render it yourself and use the tallow as you please. You can use it on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I should try making my own Mm -hmm. someday. You should. Yeah. Also the oxtail, that's another cut that you can do like low and slow in a crock pot, put it in a soup. I have a customer that says it's literally delicious. It's so good. I have not tried it, but it's on my list to do this winter. Interesting. I have a lot of things I need to try on my, I filled out two pages of notes. So that is hilarious. (laughs) I told, I'm very, I just had no idea about all of this. So super, (sighs) I loved this. This was a fun conversation. 
I hope you learned something from this or were inspired to try a new cut of meat or cook a cut of meat a different way. Um, I had a lot of fun talking about this with Mary Pat, and I hope you feel inspired to use more beef in your kitchen. Well, I feel inspired and I feel more confident when it comes to talking to a butcher. So I appreciate all the knowledge you shared, Jenna. And thank you so much for listening. Remember, we launch new episodes every Tuesday. So come back next week for something new. And we also do a giveaway every month. So be sure to be sharing the podcast to your stories. Um, Also, leave us a review that really helps us. And we love to see your feedback on the different episodes that we're putting out. Thank you so much. And you can find us outside of the podcast on our socials. See you next time.